Welcome to the Underclass Podcast with Austin Picard. I'm an independent researcher who can't stomach being lied to on a daily basis by the mainstream media, while we live in a fracturing society launched into parallel realities, falling perfectly onto the two sides of the political spectrum. I remain in the underclass. Ron Paul once said, truth is treason in an empire of lies. The underclass is for everyone with an appetite for truth, no matter the consequence. Episode one, we're going to be uh, diving into the origins of one of the most unbelievable covert operations in American history, Operation MKUltra. By now, it's become necessary to know and understand the espionage technique, limited hangout, the art of war, know your enemy. Limited hangout in the words of former special assistant to the deputy director of CIA, Victor Marchetti, quote, spy jargon for a favorite and frequently used gimmick of the clandestine professionals. When their veil of secrecy is shredded, they can no longer rely on a phony cover story to misinform the public. They resort to admitting, sometimes even volunteering, some of the truth, while still managing to withhold the key and damaging facts in the case. The public, however, is usually so intrigued by the new information that it never thinks to pursue the matter further. Keep this technique in mind while we consider the key architects of MKUltra disclosure. In December 1974, there was a New York Times report authored by Seymour Hersh with major claims of illegal domestic operations conducted by the CIA during the 1960s. In direct response to this incriminating report, a commission was formed. The United States President's Commission on CIA Activities within the United States was established on January 4, 1975 by President Gerald Ford, who then appointed none other than Vice President Nelson Rockefeller as chairperson to lead the commission, which consisted of a few notable members, including future President Ronald Reagan. The commission very quickly gained the moniker the Rockefeller Commission and issued a single report in 1975. The final report was heavily edited, excluding many of the commission's findings by White House personnel. One of those White House personnel was none other than Dick Cheney. <clears throat> Weeks later, the Pike Committee and Church Committee were formed in response to what was deemed a compromised investigation from the start. That was never supposed to have affiliation with the executive branch or what could be perceived as presidential interference. They called the year 1975 the Year of Intelligence. The Pike Committee was formed in February 1975, also known as the U.S. House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and conducted an independent investigation into three intelligence agencies, CIA, FBI, and the NSA. The Pike Committee report was sabotaged in a few ways, for example, denying the committee members access, withholding requested documents using security or careful deception. We now know through a series of declassified dumps from the National Security Archive, the CIA refused to comply with any requests, and even when the Pike Committee were preparing legal action for the release of documents, the CIA and Ford's White House orchestrated a compromise where the president could have the final say. Even after this, the final report was never allowed to be published. The White House opposed congressional approval. 
So now we proceed to the church committee in our investigation into the year of intelligence. And I'm starting to feel a slight resentment toward these deep state spooks and political actors who decide our reality. The church committee was formed January 27th, 1975, as officially the United States Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities. The church committee findings are considered to be the most revealing investigation into intelligence activities ever exposed to the public. Although in hindsight, claims like the 1977 Rolling Stone article authored by Carl Bernstein suggested that the committee had covered up a lot, including a much more extensive, embarrassing relationship between major media corporations and the CIA. The church committee released an interim report November 20th, 1975 with the title Alleged Assassination Plots Involving Foreign Leaders. The final report was made public April 1976 in six books. Also included were seven volumes of the Church Committee Senate hearings. When the committee called Acting CIA Director William Colby to testify in the Senate hearings, President Ford did all he could to intervene on the agency's behalf. Ford's top advisors that very same day drafted a recommendation that Colby only be authorized to brief, not to testify, and that he should be only asked to speak in realistic hypotheticals. Among Gerald Ford's top advisors were two of my favorite lizard people, Henry Kissinger and Donald Rumsfeld, who proceeded to prep William Colby for what he should and should not say after the committee used their full authority to force him to testify. The year of intelligence seems like the attempted reining in of the deep state intelligence apparatus. The last gasp of political accountability before succumbing to the Orwellian-style Ministry of Truth dictating war is peace and truth is treason. Government is just the highest level of organized crime dressing up as a human rights organization. Among the most revealing operations exposed through the church committee hearings and reports or domestic operations like COINTELPRO, an illegal FBI operation attempting to run surveillance, infiltrate, and discredit American political organizations, or even just subversive groups like anti-Vietnam protest groups and feminist organizations. The tactics now famously utilized in COINTELPRO operations involved discrediting targets through psychological warfare, smearing individuals and groups using forged documents, by planting false reports in the media, harassment, wrongful imprisonment, illegal violence, and assassination. <clears throat> Another shocking covert operation exposed was Operation Mockingbird, a large-scale manipulation of domestic American news media organizations for propaganda purposes. William Casey, CIA director from 1981 to 1987, has a rather damning quote attributed to him. He said, We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. According to esteemed researcher Eustace Mullins, student of Ezra Pound, the CIA has had publishing companies under their thumb for many years and have been publishing around 200 books a year in order to consistently control the narratives of public discourse in America. So what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear mind control? Is it Sirhan Sirhan, 
Charles Manson? How about Jolly West, Patty Hearst, Tamerlane Sarnayev? Even Rudolf Hess at the Nuremberg Trials is an acceptable answer at this point. And it's finally time to talk MKUltra. According to the CIA's own internal documents, the agency spent more than an estimated amount of $10 million conducting chemical, biological, and radiological investigative methods of mind control as part of MKUltra, CIA's broad experiment on unsuspecting American civilians. Many of these innocent civilians, as you might suspect, were the most vulnerable among us. And once the project was underway in April 1953, they started immediately dosing up prisoners, prostitutes, drug addicts, mental patients with LSD. And one agent was quoted saying, we targeted people who could not fight back. No informed consent was given or necessary under MKUltra, a clear violation of the Nuremberg Code. CIA's claim is that early on their, early on, their efforts were focused on using the LSD to forcefully brainwash a foreign intelligence operative into defecting. But we came to find the real goal was to figure out which combination of drugs and technique could achieve the complete takeover of a subject's mind. Very quickly, they started experimenting with a plethora of different drugs. Sodium pentothal, mescaline, psilocybin, heroin, morphine, scopolamine, and many other others combined with different tactics like sensory deprivation, electroshock, force isolation, hypnosis, and sexual abuse. Over 7,000 American veterans were non-consensually experimented on from the 1950s through the 1970s, many of which came forward later pursuing legal action. And this was so much more than just a small domestic intelligence operation gone wrong. This was a broad-spectrum war on the minds of the American people spanning at least 30 years. Hypnosis and false memory syndrome became recurring tactics all throughout MKUltra. One of the most famous figures tied to these methods of mind control was a man by the name of Dr. Lewis Jollyan West, who worked under CIA chemist and head of the MKUltra program, Sidney Gottlieb. Better known as Jolly West, has been a favorite when it comes to cameo appearances in some of the most pivotal cases in all of modern American history. We can do a quick rundown of the top five greatest hits for Mr. West. We have Jack Ruby, Charles Manson, Jim Jones, Timothy McVeigh, yeah, from the Oklahoma City bombing, and Sirhan Sirhan, known for firing shots at RFK the night he was assassinated. Sirhan Sirhan's defense attorney, Lawrence Teeter, claims he still believes that Sirhan was operating under MKUltra mind control techniques when he shot at RFK. Both the prosecution and defense had trained hypnotists put Sirhan in a trance on the record during the trial. His defense team's most recent appeal claims Sirhan was subjected to sophisticated hypnoprogramming and was not in control of his actions during the committed crime. Sirhan is widely considered to have been a prime candidate for the infamous technique psychic driving, a system of brainwashing made famous by Dr. Ewan Cameron, who received direct funding through MKUltra Subproject 68 and outsourced MKUltra to Canada, where he carried out the Montreal experiments from 1957 through 1964 for behavioral modification research. According to official sources, investigating MKUltra 
Many of Dr. Cameron's patients were at the Allen Memorial Institute of McGill University for common medical problems such as postpartum depression or anxiety disorders and were then subjected to his driving technique and placed into drug-induced comas for weeks at a time. Some of the reports showed his victims forgetting their parents and thinking their interrogators were their parents. According to the journalist Stephen Kinzer, in an interview with NPR during the early 1950s, the CIA had secret detention centers in, America in American-controlled areas all over Asia and Europe, mainly Japan, Germany, and the Philippines, where they avoided criminal prosecution and tortured many expendables, was their term, using their, these very same techniques. It's becoming quite clear that this project is much more broad in scope than we ever would have expected. MKUltra had more than 149 sub-projects and at least 185 researchers at American and Canadian institutions. This was already considered illegal covert action against a domestic citizenry, even in the CIA's very own charter, domestic activity is off-limits. But the implications of experimenting on foreign citizens as well would be considered an act of war, violating international law. In the New York Times called it, a secret 25-year, $25 million effort by the CIA to learn how to control the human mind. Now, we return to our friend, Jolly West, who was known for his work in 1952 when 83 American pilots, Korean POWs, were brought back to the States and the Army brought in a team of scientists that included West. There, he gained his initial credibility with the higher-ups in the agency by using his techniques to deprogram the POWs who had made claims of being responsible for spraying the Korean countryside with biological chemical weapons. After being deprogrammed, they renounced their claims under false confessions. Alan Dulles, director of the CIA by this time in 1952, had seemingly become convinced by Richard Helms and Sidney Gottlieb, who at the time held the positions of CIA's Chief of Operations for the Directorate of Plans and Head of the Chemical Division of the CIA's Technical Services Staff, that mind control operations were the future. After the Watergate scandal, June 17, 1972, Richard Helms, who had by this time rose to the position of CIA Director, ordered Sidney Gottlieb to destroy all MKUltra papers, and in January 1973, the Technical Services staff shredded countless documents. After the Hirsch article in the Times exposed MKUltra as front-page news, in 1974, the corrupt investigations began, most of them doomed from the start, if they were even acting in good faith to begin with, due to the CIA's complete destruction of its files. As records became available, they were redacted. The congressional testimony of the witnesses were a joke, most of them forgetting basically everything during the time of their supposed involvement. Reportedly, fewer than six agency brass were aware of MKUltra during its entire 20-plus year history. Very compartmentalized. The project was so highly classified, John McCone, successor to Alan Dulles as CIA director, was appointed in 1961 and was never even informed of the existence of the project until two years later. The Justice Department in 1976 investigated Sidney Gottlieb's destruction of the MKUltra files, but according to the New York Times, 
The investigation was quietly dropped, and when Gottlieb was called to testify before the Senate in 1977, he would only do so if he received criminal immunity. None of this led to any federal investigation into the 185 researchers, the 80 institutions, or 44 colleges and universities implicated in the only documents that weren't destroyed. The CIA still maintains to this very day that all MKUltra experiments have been abandoned. Many others believe that due to the public disclosure, the agency was forced underground into black budget funding operations in order to continue the research unabated. It's safe to say we've barely even scratched the surface of what was one of the worst examples of government overreach in all of American history. The implications alone seem to reflect an all-encompassing agenda of complete control of a population. If even a fraction of these things were true, the entire concept of the role of government in this country should be brought into question. There are many more rabbit holes we will fall down in the upcoming episodes. Continue our deep dive into the key architects of this dark agenda of control. But we should never forget, in the era of information warfare, silence is acquiescence. We'll end with two quotes from an inspirational savage, Dr. Gonzo himself, Hunter S. Thompson. Politics is the art of controlling your environment. I learned a long time ago that reality was much weirder than anyone's imagination.